welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 we're looking at this morning. Have you ever noticed that life is much easier if you have a clear purpose in mind? or uh, a clear destination uh, that you're uh, headed to. You can th- think about the, a farmer who um, has to do all the, all the work and preparation, the soil, the, uh, and the sowing, and the, for a crop to grow. And uh, the reason that that uh, is uh, doable is the expectation of a harvest. Uh, he's, he's moving, moving towards a direction. There's a there's a clear purpose in his mind. Uh, I think about athletics and all the the work, preparation, exercise. But it's it's a lot easier if you have a goal. Uh, it's it's easier to uh, you know to go running or walking if you have a goal of losing you know a kilo or two. Or, or whatever the, whatever it is, uh, life is a lot easier if we if we know what we're working towards or where we're moving a destination. Well, our passage this morning, we see God's purpose in choosing. Notice again in verse three, Ephesians chapter one, verse three: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every." spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we, get, we began last time, Paul had in mind with uh, these words, every spiritual blessing. And uh, we see in verse 4, as we continue this morning, uh, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, we're going to focus on that this morning, uh, that verse 4, and see some more of the riches that uh, Paul has revealed to us there. Uh, last time we talked about uh, the tension that's created in our minds when we read this statement, chosen by the Father before creation. Uh, and, and the tension is there because of uh, the reality that God is sovereign in our salvation but then on the other hand, uh, we have a moral responsibility for our decisions, for the exercise of our will. And God holds us accountable for the exercise of our will. And so we can't, we can't completely comprehend how these two realities work together, but we can, we can trust God that he is able to work those out according to his purpose. Both are clearly stated in Scripture. And so both must be embraced, and the, and the tension that they create in our thinking and our reasoning must be allowed to remain, and we must not uh, diminish one for the other, and it, it's easy to do that. It's easy to go you know, one, one extreme or the other side and try to uh, reason it out in our minds, and usually what happens, we wind up uh, uh, diminishing one or, or the other of the two truths, and so that's what we want to build on this morning as we continue in this verse. We see next that he says that we're chosen in him and referring to Jesus Christ. 
And so again, we see this emphasis of the centrality of Jesus Christ in our salvation. Uh, those who are chosen by the Father, Scripture tells us, are given to Jesus Christ. And those that are given to Jesus Christ uh, come to believe in him and are kept secure in him. Now, this is a tremendous truth, and I want us to uh, uh, think about it a bit this morning as we look at some verses that uh, communicate this. Jesus, in John 16, communicates this, uh, this truth to us. Uh, let's begin read, reading there in verse uh, 37. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So we see there that security that we have in Christ and this plan of God that creates for us this reality. And notice also in John 10, uh, later Jesus will say uh, uh, similar words when he identifies himself as the good shepherd. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. One more passage in John 17, this great high priestly prayer of Christ to the Father. He says there, And, and now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Well, as these verses communicate, the reality that we are chosen in Christ should give us great confidence uh, to live for God knowing that we're secure in him and he's, he's working in our lives. He's accomplishing these purposes for us. But some Christians have the mistaken idea that if you tell people that they are secure in Christ, that it will cause them to think that they can live just any way they want to. And uh, they, they might say something like, well, if you, if you teach people that uh, they are chosen in Christ and eternally secure in Christ, then that will just lead to immoral living. But the reality is just the opposite. Amen. And we see in this, in this verse that reality that those chosen by the Father, given to Christ, are to be holy and blameless. They're chosen to be holy and blameless, verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. That word, that, it communicates purpose. It's, 
it tells us that purpose in choosing us is that we would be holy and blameless. The word uh, holy is agios. We, we've seen this word, word already in, uh, back in verse 1. And there it's translated saints. And in verse 1, it speaks of our position, who we are in Christ. Uh, we are saints. But in, in verse 4, it speaks of what we are becoming and what we will be in the complete sense of the word when the Lord comes back and takes us to be with Him. We also have this word blameless, holy and blameless. And um, the word is could be translated um, without blemish. And it's um, probably more literally translated without blemish. The sonder kabrek. If you think back to the Old Testament, the, the, the possible lambs were to be without blemish. They were to be, were to be offered up to God. In Christ Jesus is the holy and unblemished Lamb of God that is given for us in our place. And because believers are in Christ, through faith in Him, we're said we're to be, we are in Him, we have this relationship with Him. Because of that, God views us positionally as holy. And He's going to ultimately make us completely holy as he is, without blemish. And you, you probably have thought of some verses like Ephesians 5, where he says that very thing in that passage is teaching about husbands and wives. You remember verse 25 where he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that, you see again a purpose here, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now this is, this is God's purpose. This is where He's taken us to. He's taken us one day be with Him in holiness. Jude 24 teaches us a similar thing where he writes in verse 24, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Uh, that's the image that we have for uh, the church. And if you go back to Ephesians 5 in that passage, it's, it's this imagery of the bride that's presented to the bridegroom in splendor, in holiness, without spot. And uh, that, is, that is what Christ has accomplished for us in purchasing us. And He is working in our lives. And one day when we are, are taken to be with Him, we, we are going to uh, receive glorified bodies. We're going to be, uh, we talk about glorification. We're going to be presented unto Him completely holy. There in Jude, notice He says that we're to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. And just like at a, uh, at a wedding, there's joy. Uh, there's going to be joy. God talks about His joy and our joy. 
on that day when we come into his presence. And by the way, that phrase there, the presence of his glory, it, it reminds us back to our text in verse 4, where, where he says that, um, that we, even as we're chosen him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's what he's speaking of there. In his presence. We're going to be holy and blameless in his presence. And, and so that's, that's the purpose that God has for us. You think about even, even back going back before creation, God had this plan for us. Uh, and even before the, the fall, the sin of Adam and Eve, God had the plan to remove and undo the impact of Satan and sin upon us. That's God's plan for us. You think about this, um, uh, this what God is, is accomplishing. You go to 1 John uh, chapter 3 and verse 8. He says there, Who, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. And you could ask, what is the work of the devil? Well, ultimately, it's through sin and death to separate us from God, to separate us from fellowship with God that, that we were created for. And one day, God is going to uh, reunite us with Him in complete fellowship and holiness. We have fellowship with Him now because of Christ and that we are positionally holy standing in the work of Christ and His righteousness that is put to our account. But one day that is going to be taken to a whole new level. We're going to literally be in His presence and see Him. You see, this is what God desires for us. But to have fellowship with God, we must be holy. One author uh, gave this quote, and it sounds a little bit like a riddle, uh, but it's well said. The righteousness that God requires is the righteousness that His own righteousness requires Him to, to require. <laughs> I can't hardly get it out. <laughs> but I hope you understand what, what the point is there, that God's very nature, who He is, His righteousness requires Him to require of us complete holiness, perfect holiness. And, and there's no way that we can accomplish that. There's no way we can produce that. It's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what um, John says about the, the nature of God in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. That's it. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. That, that is the essential attribute of God. He is holy and blameless. Uh, holy says it positively. God is light. And blameless or without blemish says it negatively. In Him is no darkness at all. 
John will continue in that passage in 1 John chapter 1. He says, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This is the relationship that God wants with us, this walk with Him in fellowship. You see, God, God's not waiting until we get to heaven to make us holy. Uh, he will when we get to heaven, but He begins that process at salvation. He's wor working in our lives, producing holiness and separation unto Himself. That is, that is something that God, through the Spirit of God, the Word of God, is, is accomplishing and moving us in a, in a direction. If we'll cooperate with Him, if we'll yield our wills to His, then He will produce that in our lives. You see, God didn't, just, God didn't save us or choose us and save us and secure us just for the potential that we would be holy or, or that the, the possibility that we would be holy. No, God chose us to be holy. And that is, that is His purpose. The person who has no desire for fellowship with the Lord, has no desire for His Word, no conviction of sin, that person really has no claim to be called a Christian, to identify with Christ. Because it's, it's the opposite of what God is doing in the life of His children. God is, uh, is doing whatever it takes to move us in holiness, in sanctification. Not that we, we're certainly going to have our ups and downs. We're going to have our failures and our problems and our difficulties. Um, but God is moving us in this progressive, ongoing sanctification, this holiness. And if we rebel against that, if we're not willing to cooperate with God, God has His ways of um, changing our minds, doesn't He? he uh, he's, he's like the, the child who's rebellious. Uh, and, and a loving parent will apply some education to their backside and change their will. Hebrews 12, verse 7, 8 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. He'll continue in that, in that passage in verse 10 to say, He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. See the purpose there? God is working to produce holiness. He says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Well, we, we all come short of God's holiness, but God is at work in us. And one day, we will be like Him. That's hard for us to comprehend, isn't it? We're going to be like Him because we will see Him. We will be with Him in His presence, holy and blameless 
before him. John also writes about that in 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now, but what we will be has not yet appeared. We're not there yet, are we? We're still struggling with, with the temptations and our weaknesses and our, and our hard-headedness and all the, all the problems that we have now, the struggle that we face daily, sometimes hourly. Uh, we're not there yet. It has not yet appeared what we will be, he says, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Because we're going to be in His presence. The only being that can come into His presence must be holy. And that's what John's mean when we will see Him. We're going to be like Him. We're going to be holy. And he says, everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Well, there's another word here in this um, passage that's important. And that, that's the, the phrase, in love. They're holy and blameless in love. You go back to our text in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, that last phrase there, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Now that prepositional phrase, in love, it modifies something. And there's three possibilities in this, uh, in this passage or in this immediate context uh, that it could refer to. And it's, just, it's a bit difficult to, um, to determine which one is the best because all three are true True statements. Uh, first, first of all, there's there's a possibility that it could be modifying cho the choosing. God chooses in love. Now, that's tr certainly true. Other scriptures uh, communicate that reality, uh, but it's less likely in this uh, verse because of the distance in the sentence, a structure between the in love at the end and the, the choosing at the beginning. Another possibility is it modifies holy and blameless or unblemished. And then the, the third possibility is that it modifies the beginning of the, the statement in verse 5, the uh, predestining. Uh, he does that in love, and that's certainly true as well. So those, those two, two options that it's speaking of God's actions in love, we, we know that God loves us and and it's only because of his agape love it's not because he deems us worthy or that we you know, did something or would do something that would warrant um, uh, his uh, being you know gracious to us or loving towards us no it's we know that he is um, he, he's accomplishing his purpose uh, and his love, his agape love, is not just an, an emotional kind of reaction to you know us. It's it it, it obviously can, there's a component of emotion there, of care, but the, the driving force uh, is his predetermined will that God has, his predisposition of his will. And, and, and he applies that to us, doesn't he? As he tells us to love one another. 
He doesn't say love if that person is lovely. <laughs> or, or love if, you know, if they're loving you or doing, you know, this or that. No, it's a, it's a determination of the will that we are going to love. And so we know that's an attribute of God and His love towards us. And so those are possibilities, especially the, uh, the, the connecting to verse 5. And you'll see in some of the translations, it actually has translated it to imply that. So like in the ESV here, the in love starts a new sentence. There's a period after him. In love, he predestined us. So, so you can see this in this translation and, and some others, they will prefer that, um, uh, that translation. And, and others... We'll put uh, we'll put it more in the leave it in the in the verse four uh, before him in love having starting a new thought having predestined us or he did this by predestining us and uh, and so so there's 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 different possibilities I, I tend to prefer the the option that he's the in love phrase is. It's intended by Paul to modify the holy and blameless. And, and the main reason for that uh, in this context is that it is it supports this ultimate purpose of God that we would be holy and blameless. And that purpose, it, it involves fellowship. And, and, the, and the, the love helps modify what it means to be holy and blameless. We have a, we have a love relationship with God. It's not, just a, it's not just a cold kind of do this, do that, don't do that kind of, of relationship. It is one that is, uh, is based on the love of God. And this relationship that we have with God requires Holiness, and so they it goes together. Holiness is a is often communicated by walking with God, and, and you, we think of we think of that as more as, as the fellowship, the love. But that relationship, that love relationship, requires holiness from our part, which which God enables, and God provides. Through Christ, through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God in us. Paul will later write, as we get to the application section of this letter, and uh, back again to Ephesians 5, you, you'll remember uh, this, this passage in verse 1 and 2. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Agathetos, beloved. We, we are the beloved. Of God. And he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That's, that's the relationship that um, God has with us and he wants for us that we would walk with him in love. Notice again in verse 4, back to our text, he says, so we're chosen that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Well, I want to close with just the, the statement that Peter makes. And it, it really 
has close, many connections with our passage in Ephesians 1. And, and it communicates some things that we're trying to emphasize this morning to Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers of His divine nature. Again, what is His nature that we've become partakers of? His light. And in Him is no darkness at all. Father, these um, promises to us, these blessings to us are, are more than we can fully comprehend. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace and for Your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are accomplishing your purpose in us. And Lord, I pray that um, we would say with Paul, the, the love of God controls me, constrains me. Lord, as we think about what you've done for us and what Christ has done through, uh, for us in, in, on the cross, Lord, may it compel us to walk with you, to put off the things of the world, the flesh, and that we would put on the things that have been created in us through Christ, put on the godliness. And Lord, you've not called us to, um, to do this by our own will or by our own strength, but Lord, you have um, created in us a desire for fellowship with you. And you've given us your word that instructs us and enables us. And you've uh, put within us the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to empower us that we may yield to him and to his working, that he might produce this fruit in our lives. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you for your purpose. May we see it, Lord. May we May we run to it and set our eyes upon the goal, the finish, the finish line that you've set before us, that we might run well in such a way that you would be pleased. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, the great high priest who his name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. Name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heavenly sense, no tongue can bid me then depart. No tongue can bid me then depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul. 
just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the king of glory and of grace, one with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God.